It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars. It is a Tuesday. Hope you all are doing great out there. Back from the holiday weekend. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic wherever you might be. And thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We continue our countdown to BYU Spring Ball. Starts next Monday with more position group previews. Talk about BYU's ends. What I mean by that, we're talking about tight ends and defensive ends on today's show. We'll, of course, catch you up on everything else that happened in BYU sports as well. So we got plenty to cover ahead on today's show and let's waste no more time and get right to it this is the locked on cougars podcast for february 22nd 2022 you are locked on cougars your daily podcast on the byu cougars part of the locked on podcast network your team every day What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. And a big thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. We are your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports, making you guys the smartest BYU fans out there by giving you all the relevant information you guys need to know about as a Cougar fan on a daily basis. The only way to do that is to listen daily. So I hope you guys will come back. If you're new to the show, just checking us out for the first time, join the thousands of other BYU fans who have made us a part of their day and join us daily. It comes out overnight. By and large, I've had a few hiccups over the past week or so, but this podcast, it is out every single weekday and appreciate you guys supporting this venture. All right, we are getting ready for BYU Spring Ball starting on Monday. It's kind of disappointing that I'm so focused on BYU football, by the way, but when the BYU basketball program on the men's side of things is sliding as hard as they have slid, it's hard to really look at anything else and say, okay, well, that's kind of how we're going to have to focus on it because this was a basketball season that started out with so much promise. Think back to when BYU absolutely obliterated Oregon, and Oregon didn't look great at the time, but they've turned out to be a pretty good team in the Pac-12, and BYU has just slid. And the crazy thing is, if BYU had the record they had right now as a member of the Big 12, you'd probably still see them being talked about as a single-digit seed. It just so happens BYU is still a member of the West Coast Conference, Conference. And when you struggle in the West Coast Conference, it's not perceived the same as the Big 12. And I'm also not trying to say that the Big 12 is anywhere in the same realm in terms of uh, power conference type stuff, because the Big 12 might be the best basketball conference in the country, no matter what some Ute fans may want to say. The Big 12 and the Big 12 that BYU is going into, it might become the premier basketball conference in the entire country if it's not already that. It's absolutely stellar. And BYU is going to have plenty of work cut out for them as they try and uh, get really up to speed really quickly. Because you go into the Big 12 with the type of team BYU is dealing with right now, I'd be scared because you cannot have a lack of depth. You can't have a lack of size on the interior or these teams will rip you limb from limb much more harshly than any team in the West Coast Conference not named Gonzaga would. I'm serious about that. But all right, I digress. Let's talk some BYU football. I promise we're going to talk about the ends on today's show. Let's start off on the offensive side of the football and talk about BYU's tight end unit. This is also going to interject our what we call our fullback or H-back positions because you have two guys in that group who will probably be on the roster as tight end slash fullbacks. 
And that one of those guys is Mason Wake. We all know that. Mason has been listed as a tight end. He's more of a wing back, but also plays plenty of fullback type sets. Houston Haymuley figures to mix in at that as well. But the biggest thing for the tight end unit going into spring ball this year, and what we've been doing with these are three questions facing each of these position groups. Number one, without Isaac Rex, and I don't expect Isaac Rex to even step foot onto a football field before training camp begins in August at the very, very earliest. That was a really nasty dislocated fracture of his ankle area. It was really, really ugly. Uh, based on what I understand, he has to multiple surgeries he's either undergone or will undergo before he is ultimately start to get cleared to get back on the field. It's going to be a longer path for him to get back on the field, which is really, really disappointing because Isaac Rex, he is the best tight end on BYU's roster. It's very, very clear. So question number one, who steps up in the absence of of Isaac Rex. I think the easy answer is Dallin Holker. Dallin played the vast majority of two tight end sets last year alongside Rex coming off of his mission. Really looked stellar. Six foot five, a great frame. Uh, it seemed like late in the season, Holker was a little more beat up and that's to be expected as guy is getting himself back into playing shape and going through a pretty rigorous season. Well, I think Dallin Holker, if he is able to go, he'll be the lead guy at tight end for BYU. Other guys, though, now have an opportunity to step up and really show what they can do, maybe more so than they've had a chance to do in quite some time. The names on that list, Carter Wheat, a guy who played plenty of sets in 2020 when you had Dallin Holker on his mission, he's got to be thinking, okay, here's my chance to really reassert myself in this group. Ben Tui Pelotu is from South Carolina Nation Ford High School. That last name should sound really familiar. Yes, he's one of the famed Tui Pelotu clan. He is obviously going to be thinking, okay, I got a chance to move up here. Lane Lunt, the junior college transfer who saw some action in 2020, really kind of disappeared during 2021. He's also on that list, as well as another freshman in Ethan Erickson. I have heard rave reviews about Ethan Erickson. If he can realize his potential, I hear, out of Kahuku High School, this is a dude I'm hearing that could be one of the next great tight ends coming from BYU. I hear great things about him, but this entire group has got to be sitting here thinking, okay, now's my time to shine. Isaac is out of the way. Dallin Holker can't take all the reps. I'm going to go take some for myself. Will a guy like Mason Wake take some if he is full go during spring ball? Absolutely, because Mason is a six foot one, 250, 260 pound bowling ball who has actually shown very adept play at the tight end position. He plays more of an H back, blocking back type. Uh, position. He likes to jump over people, but he's proven to be pretty adept playing tight end sets. So Mason Wake may take some of those reps, but these other tight ends have got to be sitting there thinking, okay, this is my time to show what I can do. And if I can't make the move now, when am I going to make that move? That is really the thing right now with this tight end unit. Question number two, will BYU's tight ends be as heavily featured in the spring this year as they were in 2020, but they also held off. They did not see as much action during the 2021 season. And I think the tight end unit at in 2021, this past fall, really took a back seat to what was a really, really deep and really, really talented wide receiver position. Will you see the tight end unit resume its prominence in BYU's offense during this spring and going on into the summer and training camp going into 2022? I would hope it does because I think they have recruited this tight end position very, very well. Steve Clark has done a bang-up job finding a lot, a lot of talent and why would you not utilize it? Especially considering you're losing the likes of Samson Nakua you're also having Neil Pau graduate who kind of took some of those tight end inside reps as a bigger bodied receiver. Can you have these tight ends now step in and say, okay, we're back. We're actually going to, we're here to play. Let us have our time to shine. 
I would hope they do because this tight end unit, like I said, it's been recruited. It's got a really, really high level of talent. The thing is, not a lot of it has been able to show what it can do to a large degree. Now, question number three for the tight end unit. What does Mason Wake, and more importantly, what does Houston Haymuley bring to the mix for BYU at those wingbacks, blocking back, fullback, H-back position? I know that sounds like a very convoluted position, but it's a convoluted position these guys play. They're called upon to do a myriad of different things, and I figure Mason Wake's going to be the lead guy there because he's been in the system the longest, but a guy like Houston Haymuley did not come here simply to sit on the bench. He did not go out and make that Tongan power uh poster and come on this podcast and talk about the fact that he wants to carry on the family legacy at BYU just to be wearing number 35 potentially on the sideline and have Hamuli on his back and call it good. This is a dude who played at a very high level for a number of years at Stanford University. You can bet he's going to come in and push Mason Wake for playing time. Are they different type players? I think they are. I think Houston is more of your true traditional fullback. He is six foot two, 270 pounds who will come downhill on you and absolutely cave your face mask in if you're not ready for it as a linebacker slash defensive end. Mason Wake, a little more nuanced in his abilities, but I think a guy like Houston Hamuli, he sees what Mason Wake does and says, hey, if that kid can do that, I can do that. It'll be interesting to see what spring yields in terms of that position. Does that uh, change at all with Isaac Rex's injury? Do they go to more of a true uh, two tight end set where they don't necessarily use as much wingback? I highly doubt that because this has been a staple of the offense under both Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick, speaking of the wingback position. But it gives an opportunity for Mason Wake and Houston Haymuley, similar to the other tight ends with Isaac Rex off the field, a big opportunity to maybe see an uptick in reps and really show what they're capable of. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll talk about BYU's defensive end unit. I think this is an interesting spring because it's been a much maligned defense, and there's a lot of question marks surrounding this defense. Can the defensive ends finally rise to the occasion and be a consistent pass rush option? Or is it going to be Tyler Batty and a whole bunch of everybody else? We'll talk about that here in just a second. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends at Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, my friends, but basketball is in full steam ahead mode. We just had the NBA All-Star break. It is still ongoing. They'll be back on the court this week. College basketball, as we've talked about, getting ready for March Madness. From all of the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports, scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just basketball. They got you covered for hockey, boxing, UFC. They got you covered every sport. Probably if you don't even want to talk about cricket or tiddlywinks, I'm sure they've got odds for you guys. You can get to betonline.net and check it out now. That's their website. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you now at betonline.net. Once again, it's all courtesy of BetOnline, where the game starts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. 
Thank you again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing on now with our position group previews, let's talk about the defensive end unit for BYU. And I think this unit, among all other units, and I know it's a kind of a loose, to, loose term unit, but they need to show something this spring because they are going to be maligned more so than maybe the rest of the defense because the defense as a whole last year for BYU struggled mightily. The metrics indicate it, no matter what any coach or player might say, the metrics showed that there was a fall off for this defense, especially in the latter half of the season, once they started having really injury issues. It was crazy to think about that linebacker injuries in particular, those to Keenan Peely, as well as Peyton Wilgar, could contribute so much to the malaise that settled in for BYU's defense, and just the downright awful play at times, especially in the run game for BYU down the stretch. But this unit as a whole, speaking of the defense as a whole is what I mean, they need to step up. And the defensive end unit, it needs to do its part. The defensive line was straight garbage at times during the 2021 campaign. And I'm not singling anybody out. I'm not saying player X, player Y. I'm not saying that. The units as a whole, both the defensive tackles, which we've already previewed, as well as defensive end, they need to step up and they need to show something this spring. You're probably sitting there, well, what about the pass rush, Jake? We're going to talk about both of those. So let's start off with this. Question number Number one, is this defensive end unit once again going to be Tyler Batty and a whole bunch of nobodies who step up in any given moment and have a flash of brilliance, but Tyler Batty is really the only consistent option for BYU at defensive end? I hope I am absolutely wrong about this. Tyler Batty has been the most consistent defensive end for BYU since the moment he got home from his mission. He has proven that with his play. When he's not been injured, he has been absolutely lights out. Other defensive ends, though, need to show what they can do, whether that's Lorenzo Renzo Fawateo, who you've heard about, he's slimmed down to play kind of that big defensive end spot where it's more of a run-stop position, or it's a Pepe Tanuvasa who really stepped up and at times was very, very good off the edge for BYU, but he's still playing a pseudo-defensive end position at 230, 240 pounds. They need to find more proven options other than Tyler Batty to help hold down the edge for BYU, and I am hopeful this spring will yield some of those answers. If it doesn't, I'm going to be mighty concerned going on into the summer, and maybe at that point, you start looking at Isaiah Moa, the early enrollee from Weber High School, or Logan Fon back off of his mission from Timview High School. True freshmen, are they the guys who are going to be called upon to be the quote-unquote saviors of this position group? I hope that's not the case. I think there is enough ability and with more seasoning in the program that this unit can find some answers to it. And maybe, maybe just maybe, Isaiah Moa and or Logan Fano are that answer. And that kind of was my question three. Which of those two is more likely to break out? Uh, so I guess we'll make that question number two. Question number two, who of Logan Fano or Isaiah Moe is more likely to make an impact in 2022? I am of the opinion that Isaiah Moa, having played more recently than Logan Fano, because he came to BYU right off the heels of his senior season. He was an early enrollee. He graduated from Weber High School up there in northern Utah in December, showed up at BYU in January. He's hit the weight room. He's been working out with the team. I would expect, if you're going to expect one of those two to have a bigger impact right away, it's probably Isaiah Moa simply due to the fact that he has played more recently. Do not count out Logan Fano, though. This was a dude, when I watched him at Timview High School, I kept saying, man, this kid is lights out. He committed to BYU as an eighth grader, backed off that commitment. It felt like for years he was destined to go play at some bigger name program outside the state of Utah. Ultimately decided, you know what, I want to stay closer to home. And 
he is a stellar, stellar talent if he lives up to his uh, billing. The question is, I have more of a question for Logan Fano, is which position does he settle in at? I think Isaiah Moa, he ends up playing defensive end. I think it's very clear that he is going to be a defensive end for BYU. Logan Fano, though, I could see him playing that, what do they call that? As the opposite end, yeah, the OE, the opposite end position that Pepe Tonavasa held down last year. He's got more of the body frame where he's kind of more of a wiry guy who can play some of that stand-up, drop into coverage, but also come after the quarterback and still make plays in the backfield. We'll see where Logan Fano ultimately fits in at the defensive end position for BYU. And now question number three. Can they get more steady run production out of this unit? Defensive ends, by and large, are not asked a lot of the time to be standout rush defense. Their job is to get after the quarterback and cause disruption in the backfield. But as I mentioned in our open here in this part of the podcast, the defensive line was so bad against the run for so many games down the stretch last year you need to find some more steady options. Whether that is Lorenzo Fawatea coming off that back injury that ended his season early last year and him playing that split end or strong end defense, uh, defensive end position where it's more of a defensive tackle playing out on the edge to help set the edge against the run. You need to find options of guys who could hold up better against the run. Tyler Batty did a pretty good job on his own, but when he is the one strong link and there's three other weak links or there's two strong links and two weak links, it's not going to work. The defensive ends need to still contribute to BYU and find a way to help in the run game. Will that ultimately be answered in spring ball? No, it won't because they're not playing actual games and they're going against the same guys every single day in practice. You're going to learn tendencies and all that stuff and it's going to give you an advantage versus disadvantage on any given play. The big answer will not come until the fall, but you want to see strides made even though they're playing against the same offensive linemen day in and day out. We talked yesterday on the podcast about how good this offensive line can be. Well, if you want to get better against the run, try and stop the rush game for BYU this spring. If you start to have success against that type of an offensive line, that should give you, as a defensive end, a little more of a sense of, hey, I belong. I can do something here. I can be a good player here. I can hold up more against the run. My work in the weight room is paying off. I'm doing the things the coaches promised me if I worked hard at, I'd succeed with. My film study, all that stuff needs to come together. You've got to find some more steady options, especially in the run game. I think the pass rush is actually going to be a little better this year from the defensive ends just simply due to seasoning and having more bodies there. So I'm not necessarily as worried about that. I am more worried about BYU holding up in the rush defense side of the game. Teams will run it down your throat all game long if they are able to do that. They want to make your life miserable. Just look at the Baylor game last year. And Baylor's a team BYU is going to see every single year in the new Big 12. That's a team that has built itself on being able to cram the ball down your throat, play after play, until you wave the white flag and they are running roughshod up, down, and around you. That's what BYU needs to avoid becoming. They need to be the team that is more of the hammer and not the nail. Against Baylor last year, BYU was the nail. I know that they have a fire in their belly to go out there and show Baylor that's not who we are. We're not going to be like that. Well, 
this spring ball. You've got this runway here. We've been talking about this on the podcast. You've got some extra time here in the lead up to joining the Big 12 in 2023. Use this time now to get better and understand that once you hit the ground in the Big 12 in 2023, that's when it's quote unquote big boy football. You've got to be at your best. Use this time now. Diligently prepare because if you're ready now and you actually can hold up against BYU's offensive line, that's going to be a nice barometer of okay, this is going to see this is going to be an improved unit in 2022, and I'm hopeful that they will be improved because if they're not, BYU could find themselves in big big trouble. Alright, coming up here in just a moment, we'll round out today's show with some other notes on BYU sports. I've got a note on BYU football from a podcast last Friday, an update on that with regards to scheduling in 2023 that we'll get to. We'll also recap the weekend for BYU baseball. A big win over a Power 5 opponent they got yesterday as they rounded out play in Florida. We'll get to all of that in just a second. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of all vehicles, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you would need. Why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the co- uh, the counter excuse me, orders the parts on their computer choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry? You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and also right there in your pocket. You can get a head start and find all the parts available to you guys when using Rock Auto. Their goal is to save you both time and money when using their resource. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when you can go to Rock Auto, which is a family business, which has been a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer, and they've got everything you could ever need. Brake, parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. So go check it out, my friends. they got an easy-to-use website to find the solution for all of your auto parts needs. Get to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you a Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by one of our great local sponsors and our friends at Intercap Lending. There's a reason that no lender helps more families in the state of Utah with their mortgage needs than our friends at Intercap Lending. And simply put, Intercap gets deals done. They feature a quick and simple process. They close loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And although fast is great, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process for you, the customer. We've all heard about the rising inflation worries and the obviously corresponding uh, hikes in rates when it comes to mortgages. Well, if you still want to lock in a low rate, they're still pretty low. You can take advantage of and do it with our friends at Intercap Lending. And that is what Locked On's personal loan officer, Steve Carter, has been doing. And he'd love to help you guys out. He's been delivering the same type of service to hundreds of Locked On listeners since 2018, including Locked On founder, David Locke. Yes, David has been through this process multiple times with Intercap Lending. They'd love nothing more than to help you guys out as well. And although Intercap is new to the Locked On Cougars podcast, it's not a new company. They've been assisting customers with all their mortgage needs since 1978. That's 44 years of experience. And Steve Carter, like I mentioned, has been helping Locked On listeners with that same great experience since 2018. Intercap is headquartered in Utah, but licensed to help with all of your mortgage needs in more than 40 states. So give Steve a call. I'd be happy to help you guys out. His direct number is 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. You will not find a more responsive loan officer than Steve Carter. I promise you 
that. You also can go online to learn more. That's intercaplending.com is the web address for Intercap Lending, intercaplending.com. Or once again, call Steve, 385-800-8528. That's Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Intercap Lending is an equal housing lender. All right, before we go on this Tuesday edition of the show, we are going to go out like a rocket. No, we're not going out like the kid at BYU and Heritage Halls who decided to make homemade rocket fuel on a stove. I don't know if you guys saw this over the weekend. I saw it yesterday uh, as I was getting ready uh, for this podcast and reading up on it. This kid decided he was going to make rocket fuel at home, caused a fire uh, ball. Uh, No one was injured, but dorm residents were displaced due to flooding because of all of the uh, sprinklers going off and all that stuff. Kids, I don't get what some BYU students do. There was a dude a couple years ago who was, quote-unquote, making meth and claimed he was making soap and got busted multiple times doing it. And now we got a kid thinking he's going to be a chemist, and I'm just going to whip up some rocket fuel here. Jeez, come on now. Let's be a little smarter about this. Just What are you thinking? I'm going to make rocket fuel, and I'm going to somehow set it ablaze and cause a fireball? Jeez, I'm just glad nobody got hurt. That's dangerous, dangerous stuff, and... Just the absurdity of it made me chuckle. I'm, I'm just chuckling at the absurdity. I'm glad nobody got hurt. Let me be very clear about that. All right. Anyways, other things you need to cover before we go on today's show. Uh, the 2023 season is upcoming. We talked about this on Friday, and I laid out that I think BYU should avoid playing FCS teams moving forward. Well, I, I, I misspoke a little bit, and some of you pointed this out over the weekend. And on the 2023 schedule, there's already been some games that have been taken care of. The Fresno State series that BYU had set up, I believe, for 2023 and now 2023. 28 has been canceled outright. A game against Virginia also has been canceled. That was one that we did not talk about because we already knew that one was gone. The game against USF also has been moved to 2026. So as it stands right now, the games on BYU's schedule as currently constituted, so this is more of the official slate of what we got. You got Tennessee scheduled to come to Provo on September 2nd. I say you keep that game. You want the volunteers. You want Rocky Top coming to the Rocky Mountains. You want to see them in Provo. You have at Arkansas on September 16th. I think those are your two marquee non-conference games. Then you also have a game at Utah State that we don't know a date on for sure. It may have been canceled, but if you want to play an in-state game, you would likely go to Utah State if you want to keep that series alive. You could do that if you want, or you also have games still against Rice, UNLV, and at UCF, but UCF is going to become a conference game. So as I mentioned, I would be all for BYU not playing an FCS team. I know Southern Utah is on that schedule, but you can cancel that game with relative ease if it's not been canceled already. I would say if you want to play an in-state game and keep that in-state rivalry alive with Utah State, you go take the hit and you go travel twice in non-conference to Utah State. Or if you want to have that extra home game, play Rice or UNLV. I said this on Friday. I think either one of them, they're about sixes in terms of where they stand. Uh, Rice might be a little further along in their rebuild just because they have a more established coaching staff, but at the same time, they're both games that look imminently winnable, at least at the current time. Who knows? Maybe the transfer portal gets one of them and they all of a sudden become a powerhouse, but I, knowing their history, don't necessarily anticipate that being the case. Now, the final thing before we go on today's show, let's recap how things went for BYU baseball over the weekend at the Snowbird Classic. They were playing in Port Charlotte, Florida, hosted by Ohio State. BYU started the weekend with a narrow 3-2 loss against Indiana State. Their doubleheader on Saturday against Marshall, they split those games, losing 6-3 in the day part of the doubleheader, then winning 3-2. to two. So they were 1-2 and two after Saturday. And then came the big showdown with Ohio State 
This was a game that BYU, this is a big name. Ohio State is a Power 5 program. They're not necessarily the most proud program in baseball, but they still have a very big reputation. And as such, you would like to go out and have a big game against them. And that's what BYU did. The nice part is, is they actually got three home runs. Uh, a home run from Austin Deming, uh, Cole Gamble, who's a preseason all-conference player, had a three-run blast. And then Hayden Latham, I believe, had the grand slam in the first inning. BYU wins that game 9-6 to over, over Ohio State as their bats finally came alive. BYU did all their damage before the uh, sixth inning, going uh, four runs in the first on that grand slam, two runs, uh, a run apiece, excuse me, in the second and third inning, and then three runs in the fifth on that three-run shot uh, from uh, Cole Gamble. So really, really good to see. BYU had 11 hits. Really, really good to see them get a win and get to 2-2 two and two on the season, especially considering they now go and face a powerhouse in Arizona State this coming weekend. They have a three-game set beginning Thursday. They'll go Thursday, Friday, and Saturday against ASU at Phoenix Municipal Stadium. ASU is one of the legendary, I mean legendary programs when it comes to college baseball. A huge weekend hand for BYU baseball, and here's hoping that Mike Littlewood and company are ready to roll when they take on the Sun Devils. Alright, that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. Thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys taking the time to download the show. Now go make your second listen. Our friends over at Locked On NFL Draft Ryan Tracy, as well as former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker, bring the NFL Draft to life every single day with insight and analysis on all college football prospects, as well as NFL front offices and how they're going about the draft process. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. That'll do it for us. A big thank you once again for joining us. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for February 22nd, 2022, and we will catch you guys tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.